Hello, and welcome to the My Messy Church podcast. Each week, we'll be going through your questions from the weekend services and doing our best to present answers from a biblical perspective. If you haven't yet listened to the weekend sermon, I want to encourage you to head over to curtislake.org backslash media for context of what we will be discussing today. We love getting your questions and cannot wait to grow together. So without further ado, let's dive into My Messy Church. Hello, Curtis Lake. Welcome back to the My Messy Church podcast. Uh, So we have four whole questions this week. Um, First one uh, is, what does being faithful and success look like? And what does it look like when you're unsuccessful? Uh, so, you know, we were talking about uh, the importance of, uh, as a as a servant of Christ, the importance of being trustworthy, right? That this is the chief quality uh, that I believe Jesus is looking for uh, when it comes to um, how we are serving him. Uh, that is, like he's put something into our hands, something that he has uh, invested in our lives. And the question uh, that we each have is like, are are we going to be trustworthy? Are we going to prove ourselves trustworthy with whatever that thing is? And sometimes that, like in being trustworthy, uh, a person might be successful uh, with whatever with, with whatever it is that they're that they're doing. Um, and when I say successful, I mean like successful in the traditional ways that we would measure success. Uh, and but sometimes sometimes even being utterly trustworthy may not necessarily yield again um, success in the way that we often measure it so so what is what does being faithful in success look like and what does it look like when you're unsuccessful um, I, so first let's let's talk about being faithful in success uh, I think it's probably no um, no surprise that success, success can actually be incredibly challenging, right? I mean, who of us doesn't want to be successful in whatever it is that we're doing? Um, but isn't it interesting that like, as a lot of times people experience success, uh, success, it often, maybe, maybe even almost always, it changes people, right? And the, the degree uh, to which a person is successful can oftentimes have uh, a, a commensurate amount of change that, um, that, that, that person's going to, to experience, especially if that success comes fast. Um, you know, I think probably one of the worst or most, uh, challenging things that a person can experience is like really, really fast success where like that success comes before they have been, um, they, before they've like, they've grown things internally to, accommodate that success to handle that success. Uh, a, a simple illustration would be, and not that this is success, but somebody wins the lottery, all of a sudden they come into tens of millions of dollars. Uh, but all prior to that, they, they, they only managed, you know, kind of hand to fist sort of financial management, you know, paycheck to paycheck, uh, if that, and then all of a sudden they're given all this money. And a lot of times, uh, that, that wealth, that that newfound sudden wealth it doesn't last very long because they haven't actually grown the characteristics necessary to manage that kind of thing same thing with somebody just comes into what looks like success you know because of some stroke of luck or stroke of genius even uh, success has a it has a, a tendency to really to change us to uh, and so when we are when we do find ourselves being successful 
like what does faithfulness look like? Well, faithfulness, I think it, it requires a, a continued kind of humility, um, uh, groundedness. You know, a lot of times you'll, somebody, somebody meets somebody that is really, really successful, maybe famous even. Right. And if that really successful, really famous person just treats somebody, um, a commoner like you and me with regular human decency and, and just acts kind of like a normal human being and not some uh, crazy entitled person uh, that the, the person might come away and be like, Oh man, you, I got to meet so-and-so and you just, you wouldn't believe like how, how grounded this person was. Um, you know, and it's, why is that? Why is it almost surprising that somebody who's uh, become famous, rich, powerful, whatever, why is it surprising to us when they come off as being very, very much like us? Well, it's because that's probably not the normal experience. Uh, people that have experienced incredible degrees of success, oftentimes they just, they, they change, right? And they, uh, whether they started that track, you know, of, of, uh, and, and, and we're back in the day, we're very, we're very humble. We're very attached to, um, their roots, the things that grounded them. Uh, if they get separated from that, that can be very, very problematic. Uh, I think another thing that we have to keep in mind when it comes to experiencing success is to make sure that we have accountability in our lives. It's so easy when, when you can afford to be, or, um, or, or because the, the, the press on you is just, it, it's always, it's always glowing. Right. And there's just nothing but applause and, um, and praise for, you know, everything that you've done. It's very easy to kind of detach yourself from some of the most important people in your life. And that is the people that will hold you accountable, the people that'll make sure, uh, that you do remember, in fact, you know, where you came from and, um, what are the most important things about living as uh, a human being in this world. And so we need people around us who aren't afraid to speak up when necessary. Um, so accountability is a very important part. Um, now, what about faithful? Uh, yeah, faithfulness in when we're unsuccessful. So, like I said, just because we're faithful, just because we're trustworthy, doesn't necessarily mean that the outcome of whatever it is that we're called into or whatever it is that we're putting our hands to, uh, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to yield the results that we would love for it to yield. And and so when we are when we find ourselves in such a situation, I think it's important that we remain trustworthy, right? Like if, if trustworthiness is the thing by which we are ultimately going to be measured, uh, which is, I think part of the point that I was trying to make when we stand before Jesus and give an account for our lives, like he's, he's not going to be, he's not going to add it all up, right? He's not going to sum the totals and determine, you know, whether or not, um, we, you know, we, whether we made it right again, he's not going to measure our success the way we tend to measure success. I mean, think about it, even the parable that he told about, um, the, 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 the talents, the bags of gold, um, whatever the, how, how each of three servants was given a portion to manage to steward, uh, while the master went away. And when the master came back, you know, you had one that produced, um, uh, in, in, in the example that Jesus gives basically doubled, uh, what he had been entrusted with. And so did the second one, the second was given less 
in terms of value, but that person also doubled. And both of those people were given exactly the same uh, commendation from Christ. And it was only the third one who, yes, while he was given less to work with, um, he, he did nothing with it. He presented, he had nothing to offer. And so he had uh, no commendation from Christ or from the master in the story. And so I think it is with us when we stand before Jesus, it's not, it's not going to be about, um, the, like the net of all that we did. It's just, it's, it's going to be the simple question. Were you, were you a trustworthy servant? Like, did you, did you take what I had given you and, and used it, managed it, stewarded it in a way that was honoring to me, right? That's really going to be kind of the big question. Um, so when, specifically when we are, you know, maybe unsuccessful in, you know, let's just say we have, you know, a desire to, to, to do something, or we find ourselves in the middle of something. It just doesn't really seem to be going anywhere. What do you do with that? Um, you know, does, does being trustworthy in that mean you have to stick it out no matter what? I, I don't know. I think it certainly can be that, but I, I do think that this is a place where, you know, we absolutely have to continue to rely on, uh, and listen to God's spirit, like listen to God's voice to be in constant communication with him, you know, because again, if I, if, if something that I'm attempting or, or, um, something that I'm investing myself, my life in, it, it isn't, it isn't proving fruitful, then I think it's perfectly okay to ask the question, well, is it just, is it that God isn't, he's just not in this, right? And and so I need to think about and find out uh, what, what it is that God, you know, is in that maybe, you know, so maybe I need to stop kind of moving in this direction and go somewhere else. So is it that, or is, is this just something that's, uh, that while it might look like it's unsuccessful, the, the fact that I'm remaining trustworthy in it is going to allow for uh, some kind of work, some kind of internal work to be done inside of me that, that I need to be done. Um, so yeah, I, again, I think that what, when it comes to searching our hearts, um, with how we are living our lives, uh, let's, let's ask ourselves the question, and and let's put it before God and ask God to reveal to us, God, am I am I tr- am I actually being trustworthy uh, with what you have given me? And if if I'm not, then like let's let's start moving forward in becoming more uh, more faithful, more trustworthy in that. Uh, next question is: We can't all be successful, but we can all be faithful. Faithfulness is success in God's eyes. So how might faithfulness not look like success? Uh, so I made the statement that, uh, and the person's quoting here, we can't all be successful, but we all can be faithful. Again, just reiterating the fact that, uh, like what we are ultimately called to is a life of faithfulness, a life, a life of being trustworthy, whether that yields successful results or not. Um, and so this person comments that faithfulness is success in God's eyes. I'd agree with that, right? Like the, the, the very, uh, the very fact of faithfulness is in and of itself, that's success in God's eyes, right? Again, not tallying up the score, uh, but truly measuring the degree of faithfulness uh, that we are living out in our lives. So how might faithfulness not look like success is the question. Um, you know, this is tough because people, 
people often don't measure success by faithfulness, right? That's the, for you and me. Um, when we, when, what, what we notice as success, uh, we're not noticing it because uh, generally just because of how faithful somebody's being like, we're, we're often like the very fact that we're seeing something or being told about something or something's grabbing our attention. It's often the success, right? That is, uh, the, the thing that's catching our eyes. Um, and so people often don't measure success by faithfulness like like God does um, we're often looking more at outcomes or results uh, so yeah I mean how might it not look like success well let's remember that um, to be faithful will oftentimes mean necessarily that we're going to experience adversity um, it seems like in so many of the examples that we have through, all of the Bible, uh, people that prove themselves faithful and whatever it was that God called them to, they went through ex- extremely incredible um, bouts of adversity, right? Like things coming against them that you and I might consider to be almost intolerable, if not but for God's help in kind of working through that adversity. And so, and, and I'm sure, you know, many people listening to this would experience, would, will, will say that they've experienced the same thing that, you know, in, in being, in being trustworthy and being faithful, like I had to walk through a lot of adversity, a lot of opposition, a lot of things kind of coming against me. Uh, sometimes that adversity is really extreme. Um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it meant martyrdom, right? Like you think about, so many that have uh, lived a life that was committed to uh, being faithful to God without any um, concern about like what that meant for them physically, uh, when it, materially, right? Like how people have expressed trustworthiness with their lives, even though it meant that they were going to lose everything. Uh, that all was going to be taken away from them or that even their very lives would be taken, right? So uh, that doesn't look successful, right? It looks, it looks pretty unsuccessful when, uh, when, you're, when your life is taken. Um, it, it, but, but again, that's, uh, Jesus never promises us because we come to him. He never promises us this life that is going to be free from any kind of adverse circumstances. He doesn't promise that it's just going to be all clouds and daisies and very, very little for us to ever be concerned with because, you know, he's just, he's going to kind of wrap us up in spiritual bubble wrap. And now we will be immune to all of the, uh, the havoc that is going on in this broken world. No, I mean, it's quite the opposite. In fact, the more attuned you become to, what God is doing or what God wants to do in your own life and more attuned with how um, the world is in, in its present condition, I think the more adverse you're going to find your circumstances to be. You're going to hopefully, like as a Christian, we are going to find ourselves following the example of Christ and moving toward trouble rather than running away from it, right? Like I think that's a 
a, a good indication of a, a person that's growing spiritually and growing closer to Christ is uh, you think about how Jesus, like he left heaven, right? And took on human flesh and jumped into the middle of our mess. Um, and, and so I think the Christian, the person who's following Christ is is there's going to be ways in which they're doing that as well. While the rest of the world is running away from trouble and running to safety or running to what they presume is to be safety, the follower of Jesus often is called to run toward the trouble, run toward the mess, kind of like uh, the hero that runs into a burning building and rescues people out before the building burns to the ground. They they give no thought for their own personal jeopardy or what might happen to them physically, but they, they put their lives on the line and they go in and they save. Uh, and, and so uh, I think as Christians, we're called to much of the same, not to be these bystanders that don't ever get our hands dirty, uh, or allow for our lives to intersect with the mess that's going on around us. Again, even, I mean, obviously Jesus demonstrated this for us in things like the incarnation and in the cross, but even just the way he was, uh, the fact that he was willing to go into uh, a, a, an area where lepers were, right? And lepers were considered to be unclean and untouchable uh, people that just by virtue of being near them uh, would would make you unclean or, um, yeah. And, and Jesus, like he not only approached such people, he not even, not only gave them an audience, he was willing even to physically touch them, which had to have been incredibly meaningful. And so, um, a willingness to just to, to allow our lives to persevere through adversity, uh, I think is, is a mark of of that faithfulness uh, to God, regardless of the outcome. And, and then I, I think also that like faithfulness in um, in 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 areas where you know that might not look like success um, is just like an unwillingness to compromise, right? An, an unwillingness to like cheat to get ahead or, or to take a shortcut to get to the intended destination while circumventing all of the trouble. Again, it's there's, we want to avoid adversity, right? Like none of us is dying to kind of, to, to jump into really, really difficult and challenging circumstances most of the time, because most of us aren't in fact heroes. Uh, but being faithful um, means it's like, okay, well, when presented with the choice between taking this shortcut to get there, uh, which will get me there faster, which I could then justify is a really good reason to take the shortcut, um, that that is contrary to, to being faithful, right? Faithfulness might require the long way around. It might require that we maintain our integrity in, in kind of doing the right thing. Uh, and, and while it may require more cost, more effort, um, like that's the way we're going to get to the intended destination. All right. Third question is, um, is there a difference between making good judgments and having good discernment? Um, I, I'd say to me, like I hear something like that, like those kind of sound like the same thing to me, uh, making good judgments and having good discernment. So let me just, uh, let me just talk a little bit about judgment and discernment. Cause I, I had, I had made the statement, right? Like what Paul 
uh, was instructing the Corinthian church in was to not make any final verdicts when it came to uh, to matters of eternal significance. So, for instance, when it came to um, when it came to the the um, the calling that he had, uh, if you remember, like he described himself as a servant of Christ, and this word servant meant that he was a person who was vested with some degree of authority, but who also fell under the authority of another, right? That there was always, there, there was, there was, um, there was an empowering kind of authority over Paul that gave him the, uh, the responsibility of exercising some authority, uh, but he was himself under authority, uh, you know, where if you're a uh, if you're a, a Christian parent, right? You kind of know what this is like in your house. It's okay. Well, as the parents of children, uh, my wife and I we have authority over our children. Well, not anymore because now they're all over eighteen. But um, but two of them do still live in our house, so I guess we have some authority. Anyway, uh, so as parents, we have we have authority. But if we're if we're good Christian parents um, or trying to be good Christian parents, then we also recognize that we have an authority over us, right? That hopefully we don't manage our household in such a way that like we're this authoritarian regime and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's my way or the highway uh, kind of thing, you know, creating these very, very unhealthy or unstable environments. But there is a, there's a kind of humility that comes with understanding that um, while in a sense, my word might be final. My word is not always final. Like there's always, I always need to have an openness to the fact that uh, I might screw up as, as, as a dad. My wife might screw up as a mom. Uh, we might, we might not handle a situation in the very best way. Uh, we, yeah, I mean, there's probably a thousand different examples you could think of when, um, when our parenting doesn't quite hit the mark. Um, and, and so understanding what it means to be uh, parents means, all right, I've been vested with authority, right? My children are a gift from the Lord. And, and so my authority over, uh, over them is it's, it's, it's a responsibility. Um, and, and, and part of that responsibility means like trying to parent, trying to do my best to parent my children in a way that honors the authority over me, which is Christ. Um, so anyway, yeah, like as parents, we kind of experience that Paul as a, uh, as a as a person who was given uh, a gift uh, of apostleship, who went around starting these various works, right, of bringing the the gospel of Jesus into areas that had not yet known the gospel, Paul uh, Paul had he had a job that he was entrusted with, right? A job that he was called to be trustworthy with, no matter what the outcome. So if it meant that uh, he was going to suffer physical peril, right? That he was going to be attacked, um, that he was going to be treated violently, which we know he was from time to time, that to be faithful in that calling meant a, a willingness to, to undergo uh, that adversity. If it meant that he was going to upset uh, the crowds, uh, that he was going to create a stir within the city that he was, uh, proclaiming the gospel in, 
well, he had to be willing to be bold and strong uh, in his proclamation of the gospel and not compromise it, right? It, while, while it's always the job of the person who is sharing the gospel to do their very best to connect with and make accessible this good news. And, and Paul, I think, was, I think he was a master at that. Uh, Jesus, our prime example, he was, of course, a master with that. Like Jesus had a way of teaching people and connecting with them right where they were, right? The, his words resonated with the, uh, for, for so many with the experiences of their lives. Uh, but never, never was there this, well, I'm just, I, I'm going to, I'm going to try to make the message more, more palatable. Uh, I'm going to, in, in, like in a negative sense, like I'm going to, uh, I'm going to kind of soften the edges of it in a way that doesn't just actually soften the edges, but actually changes, um, the content of the message, uh, or the content of the truth, right? That would be so that, so that more people, you know, will, will like it. Um, that would be, <laughs> that would be problematic. Uh, and, and so, um, yeah, what was the question? Oh, making good judgments, having good discernment. Wow. I feel like I feel like I lost it on that one. Anyway. Um, so making, yeah, making good judgments. Um, we're, the, the people were told not to judge Paul. Um, and that ultimately w- whatever they thought of Paul, well, I, maybe, 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 maybe it's wrong to say they, they were challenged not to, to, um, uh, yeah, not to judge Paul. I, I guess I, I wouldn't say it that way. What Paul was saying was the how the the conclusion that they may have come to as a church regarding Paul and his ministry did not mean anything to what Christ um, was going to how Christ was going to ultimately assess Paul and his ministry, right? Like. Jesus didn't need to rely on a 360-degree evaluation form, right, that everybody in the church filled out asking, all right, well, you know, how would you rank Paul in, and right, and there's, you know, some character quality or something, and then all that stuff is kind of put together, and then and, and then Jesus looks at it and, and uses that data to come to a conclusion about Paul. No, like, Jesus is the one who Paul describes as able to reveal that which is in secret and bring it out into the open. He's able to reveal what is hidden in the heart that nobody else knows about. And so Jesus is able to make perfect judgments. And that's why we, in a sense, we're instructed, like, don't make any final judgments, any final verdicts. In fact, Paul says, he goes so far as to say, I don't even judge myself in that way. Like I don't, um, uh, there was a, a quote I read that said something to the effect of, um, like, don't, don't become discouraged, you know, thinking that you have just utterly failed in whatever it is that God has given you to do. And also don't be presumptuous that you have somehow uh, made it, uh, you know, like what we ought to be looking toward is being trustworthy, just continuing to persevere and be faithful with what God has given us. Um, so we do like when it comes to being uh, to, to judging and discerning, I think that um, like those things are important. Uh, discernment, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, you know, discernment is that ability to kind of uh, see. Uh, I don't know if I'd say maybe read between the lines sometimes, or to see what is not just 
clear and obvious. Um, so you've practiced discernment sometimes when somebody was sharing, um, and you were, you were parsing what it was that you were hearing in order to determine whether or not it was actually true, right? Like discernment says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take what is being, uh, what, what is being told to me or what is being shown to me. And, 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 um, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to like try to, to understand what might be underlying, um, what might just be otherwise clear and obvious. Uh, uh, some people would talk about things like intuition, right? Uh, like people who have this gift of intuition where they just, you know, they can pick up signals uh, that people are giving like body language and, um, and, and also just the way somebody might speak about something and, and, and be able to kind of peer on beyond uh, what is right there. Um, what is being articulated or what is right there before you, uh, they can kind of see beyond that. Right. So discernment's something like that. Sometimes discernment is a, uh, it, it rises to the level of being a spiritual gift that God gives to us sometimes. And you see this evidenced in, uh, like Jesus demonstrated this sometimes, uh, when, you know, the, the, the account, uh, the story is given and, you know, the, somebody was, somebody was saying one thing and then, you know, Jesus saw or was able to understand the motive behind what was being said, or there's times when somebody doesn't say anything at all. And Jesus is able to kind of read what's in the heart of that person. And, uh, and, and that's a gift that, you know, sometimes we as Christians will experience as well. All right. Uh, and then the final question is, uh, where do you feel like you have been tested in the responsibilities that God has given you? Um, well, that's a great question. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, as, as a, uh, as a, you know, the, my current reality is, you know, kind of the pastor of a church. Um, I shared a little bit of this in second service. I don't know when this question was asked, but, um, second service, I definitely, you know, probably shared a little bit more, um, and talked about, you know, one of the things that this is, I'm sure unique to me, uh, I think most pastors are probably going to feel this way. Uh, we like, we have this incredible desire to make everybody happy. Um, you know, that it's, uh, it's a pretty poor pastor who like shows up week after week with a desire to make everybody angry, right. Or, um, to be discouraging. That's, it's hard to imagine that person's long for the job. Uh, and so, yeah, sometimes we, uh, we, we have this, just this incredible desire to make everyone happy. And, uh, I, I, I share with the folks, I was like, you know, I've got, I've got married couples in the church and I can't even make the two of them happy, right? Like one of them's happy with me. One of them's not happy with me. How, how could I expect that, uh, in a room full of people that either things I'm going to say or things that I'm going to do, um, that they're going to make everybody happy. And so that's a, that's an incredible, um, incredible way of being tested, I think, because, uh, as, as, as a person who I believe like, so this is the way I see myself, uh, as in, in pastoral ministry is I have, I have been entrusted with a responsibility 
And while, you know, I don't, I don't want to have like this weird, crazy savior complex where, where, you know, like it's all up to me, whether or not a person makes it into heaven or, you know, into the kingdom of God or not like, yeah. Right. So it's not that, but there, there's, there is this feeling of, of responsibility that I have for, um, for the spiritual well-being of, of people, uh, that are part of our community. You know, the, the office of the pastor is likened to the, um, the responsibilities of a shepherd, right? So the imagery is given us of a shepherd and a flock of sheep. As many of you have heard for years, right? The analogy of, um, of the church being like a flock of sheep and the shepherd, you know, a good shepherd has a certain way with the sheep and, um, and, and it's not, it's not one of, of like lording over. It's not one of, uh, oppressive and controlling kind of, um, leadership. And unfortunately that, that, that does, uh, that does become the kind of persona that unfortunately a lot of religious leaders take on. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we, I've, I've been given this responsibility and I kind of take that responsibility very seriously. And so the, 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 the challenge sometimes in, in the desire to, to not want to upset people is, um, is the, the willingness to just sort of be firm in my convictions, um, what I, what I believe, uh, to hold those convictions also with a degree of humility, um, a willingness to understand that there are things that I could be wrong about. In fact, I, I'd go so far as to say there are things I am wrong, uh, about, um, that maybe someday I won't be wrong about, I, but that like, I need, a, I need to be a person of conviction and a person that's willing to, uh, sometimes say things that might be a little hard, hopefully say them in the right spirit. Um, and to say them with love, to say them in such a way that they are, that they affirm, uh, they, but they, again, kind of using the analogy of like, but they have, they have soft edges, right? They're not just, uh, I, I don't, I don't show up on Sunday mornings hoping to like, you know, do a bunch of mic drops or anything like that. Like, I don't, I don't need that kind of, um, that kind of praise or that kind of reputation. Like that's not the goal, right? The goal is it's growth, it's transformation. It's, it's, um, it's a building up of the church. It's a building up of people. It's speaking life into people. Um, but in the, uh, yeah, I mean, you could, you could ultimately probably have a kind of ministry that is, that is very superficial because it just, it doesn't, it doesn't challenge the hard things. Right. Um, I won't, I won't say any names, but I mean, there are certainly people on television that have massive, uh, ministries with, you know, huge churches that they, that they pastor and, and, uh, services that get televised and broadcast to probably millions of people. Uh, and, and 
who sometimes may have created such an incredibly sized crowd because everything is just very superficial um, and nobody is being upset. So the desire to make everyone happy is, is, is a challenge. Um, I think that um, the other thing would be, you know, just uh, I've talked about this before. Uh, and this probably is not unlike anybody that's doing something that can be hard. Uh, and that is fighting the desire to give up, right? Um, those of you that have a job that's, that's difficult. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, what does it mean to, to be tested in those responsibilities? It's like, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. You could say, uh, there are things that I could do that would be far easier. Uh, maybe even things that might fit my, uh, my skill set better. Like there are probably things that I could do better than, um, than pastoring a church. And, and so, uh, and certainly there are things that I could do that would be far easier. Uh, and so that's, yeah, I mean, if I were perfectly honest, I think that's, that's always a test. Is it a test that I'm going to, you know, make it through to the end? I, you know, who knows, right? Only time will tell. Um, but that's, uh, there's fortunately for me, at least in this, at this present time, like I have, I have such a, um, deep compulsion to kind of do what I do, right? Like I, I, I have a, I have a deep desire to, um, to, to see God work and move in a church community and to, uh, to the extent that he has given me the opportunity to, be a part of that work, uh, in the particular office that I hold, you know, I'm, I'm very, very grateful and thankful for that. Uh, I see it as an incredible privilege, uh, but also incredible responsibility, but you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, there aren't times where it's just like, Oh man, I really rather do something, uh, something else. So those are the couple things I'd say would be a pretty good test. Probably not too different from, what many of you experience as well. So, all right, well, that's it. Those are the four questions we had. Um, and I literally mean four questions. I did not delete any or remove any. Um, we haven't had to do that yet. So thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we'll see you again next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of My Messy Church. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to head to your app store and download the Curtis Lake Church app for easy access to all of our content. Thank you so much for joining us, and we can't wait to be with you next week.